Why wait until Friday to start your weekend? Go ahead, start right now. You're thirsty now, and 93.7 The Ticket is here to help you stock up. Just in time for the weekend when I like to hit the clubs. Time to broaden your horizons and try some new wine and beer. It's Thirsty Thursday with Kevin Meyer from Meyer's Cork and Bottle. That was the beer. Uh, that was the wine. There, you go. there we Couple go. Couple cracks today. Double knuckle cracks. <laughs> <laughs> that, of course, when you hear that, you know that's Kevin Meyer of Meyer's Cork and Bottle in for Thirsty Thursday here on the block. Of course, we mentioned Strick is in studio. Kevin's pouring us up the wine right now. We also have Nate, of course, our producer, and, of course, of the Ticket Water Cooler joining us as well. What are we having? Looks like a little Chardonnay for today. Indeed, you are correct, sir. A Chardonnay from Flat Top Hills. We did their uh, red blend last week. I thought that I would uh, bring in the Chardonnay because we're still sticking with the theme of willing spring into existence because we just went from straight from our third winter to July, and uh, I'm kind of sick <laughs> of it. So Yeah, I think, I think spring, spring is li- – after today, I think it's pretty springy is yeah, uh, what yeah. we're going to see. So that's why we're going to start with this beer from White Elm called PMA. PMA, okay. do you want to know what that stands for? I think I've heard of it before. No, <laughs> go ahead. Positive mental attitude. There it is. It yeah, 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 I like this already. So this is what we're going for. We're going for positivity. We're going to will the good into existence because that's how we roll right here on Thursday Thursdays. You know, a positive mental attitude really does help. I know some people will joke about it. Yeah, we cheers, can all cheers, cheers here. Cheers, <laughs> um, But, uh, yeah, I mean, positive self-talk, that's the way to go. And then you get yourself a little positive drink, and you can have a little bit more positive self-talk. That's, good. that's yeah, a good absolutely. look right there. So Kevin. this is a pale mm. ale, um, my favorite oh, from yeah. our uh, our good friends at White Elm Brewing here in good old Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, the PMA is a, a beer that they'll come out with this time every year. It's a seasonal; they don't do it all the time. And uh, I can remember when they when they first came out with it, it was their uh, one year anniversary, and they had a uh, they had a ironically enough a band from denver called patient zero. <laughs> oh no <laughs> it was, it was, and it was before covid so you know and uh wonder how that band's <laughs> out touring probably for yeah, a while kind of took a hit exactly i wonder if they had to change their name <laughs> but uh that i remember drinking pma for the first time watching patient zero at the brewery and uh, i thought you know this place is going to do all right and uh, plus i'm good friends with colby wood um, the owner and brewer, and, and uh, he's just a really good dude, really smart dude, and, and so I, I like to promote their products whenever I get the chance. Yeah, it looks like the the, the wording, at least the, the colors that I can see on the can, looks like a kind of a Rasta type of look to little it. little Rasta cool. look. You know, I don't know if there is a correlation between the positive <laughs> mental attitude and the Rasta look. <laughs> yeah. You can draw whatever conclusions you That's choose. Right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we're all about bringing positive vibes to the table because, uh, you know, you never bring yourself up a level by bringing anyone down a level. You only bring the the, the rising tide raises all ships. So we're go. here to raise the tide. Uh, what are what are our taste buds working with here? You get a little bit of citrus. You get a little bit of bitter. You get a little bit mm-hmm. of sweetness. Um, mm-hmm. The bitters from the dry hopping. This one isn't quite as intense as a, like an IPA would be. It's a little milder. It's It's the hops are meant to be. Um, more integrated throughout the flavor profile of the beer and not necessarily jump out and kick you in the face. Um, but uh, these come in at about, I want to say, around 6%, uh, oh. if uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's on the So this, the, this yeah, that going to a volleyball there. game, I mean, not volleyball, but to a softball game. and Heck yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice heat right now. The good cool down with that one right there without 
losing your mind. Absolutely. Or if you play in a league that, you know, like a beer league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. You know. You still be functional. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Not too you many of these. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, you might roll an ankle. but uh, <laughs> or, what, or you might cross somebody up and make them roll an ankle. Well, you could do that, too. You could do that, too. <laughs> you been in any beer leagues yourself, softball? Back the in the day, I, I used to love playing softball. I played on several teams, and, uh, you know, some, some were more beer leagues, some were more competitive. And then once my kids got old enough to start playing, I started coaching, and so oh, nice. had to hang up the cleats. And, yeah. and so I coached both of them all the way through until they were done, for the most part, and until they got above and beyond my capabilities <laughs> of what I could teach them. And, uh, and then I handed off the torch, so. Son continued to play baseball through high school, and then uh, he started focusing on football. And the daughter, uh, she played volleyball up until high school. Uh, kind of gave up the softball early. I think maybe I was a little too hard on her. And uh, <laughs> but uh, then she became a uh, Big Ten speech champion of all things. Wow, so she, nice! She was on the UNL speech team and was a uh, Big Ten champion in poetry. So that wow. became her her big thing. She didn't get that from you then. Uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> Not that one. She's a lot, <laughs> lot smarter than me. Kevin, I, I got to ask you. So this tastes like a beer. If I were to go to a brewery, something that I would order, a pale ale, I'm going to assume that buying a pack of these is not as much as you'll spend for one at a brewery. You mean uh, so? Like, what does a four pack cost versus just like going cost? buying a right. buying a, a, a like a, a pint? Uh, it, you know, they're not cheap. They're around ten bucks, I think. You know, ten ninety nine for a four pack. So. Uh, just under oh about three bucks a beer, right? Um, Which you're going to be paying more for a brewery. Yeah, yeah, you'll probably pay about six. So you Ugh. can probably get two of these, uh, or, you know, nice. two two cans for the price of one uh, by going to the brewery. But you know that's part of the experience when you go to the brewery. You get to, uh, uh, you know, get the vibe of the space. You get to see the equipment. You get a. Uh, you know, perhaps talk to a couple of people that work there. So you pay a little nah, bit. I'd rather come to you, Kevin. Right, yeah, well, <laughs> tell us about the experience of going to Myers Cork and Bottle. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there you go. Well, you know how it is. <laughs> <laughs> you get uh, you get to get some uh, good knowledge there as well, as we've learned um, over the years here. That's the fun part. You gotta you gotta you know share the knowledge. Oh man, Nate's already done. I, no, I'm a big pale ale guy. This is like if I were to order, like I said, if I were to go to a brewery, this is probably what I would order. It's right in your wheelhouse, yeah. absolutely. Not super hoppy, but also has yeah. enough that it's got it's a smoother. little kick. Yeah, yeah it's got yep. a little that that dry, well, not dry, but it's that kind of um, just bitter, just a yeah. slight bit. It's not that harsh bitterness, right. but it's just a little slight, just a little pop on it. Yep. I like it. Just enough to let you know it's there. Let you know it's there. <laughs> yeah. Very good. And if we uh, pass around the Chardonnay, give us Strick the, the biggest drink here. He said he wants to drink a little more than me, so uh, he's into town. i got to give him the good welcome here. <laughs> I mean, I'm only pouring half the bottle, so. <laughs> oh, okay. There Strick, we go. you can take the uh, the second half home with you tonight. Ooh. There you go. There you go. <laughs> like a kid in a candy store. <laughs> Still got to show up to work tomorrow, though. Hopefully we'll, hopefully we'll see you in studio again. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's know about the Chardonnay here. Okay, so uh, a new brand from the Charles Ooh. Krug Winery. It's called Flat Top Hills. And uh, uh, Charles Krug is the oldest state in Napa Valley. I kind of told the story last week, but I'll tell it again for people who weren't listening. Um, the Mandavi Brothers learn the wine trade from Charles Krug. They bought his estate after Prohibition in the 40s, and they were young, hot-headed Italian boys and ended up in a fist fight in the front yard. So Robert quit and went on to become the world's most famous winemaker, Robert Mondavi, mm -hmm. and his brother, uh, Peter, stayed put at Charles Krug, and now his granddaughters and grandson 
uh, own and operate it, but they never spoke again until they were well into their 90s. Oh, right? my goodness. Oh, they, they it was both, that serious? Yeah, they, wow. both, serious. they both passed away, uh, but they did finally speak before they passed away. So Jeez. pretty wild. But, um, and competitive business I want right? to know what that fight was about. Oh, I know. Yeah, it, That you makes know, you not want to talk to each other for, like, 60 years. You know, I again, you know, you're – Probably first generation coming off the boat, Italian. There's mm. probably some mafia ties. There's probably some, you know, those guys hold a grudge. Mm. And that's just what's ingrained into that culture, You're especially back then. Probably not so much anymore. But um, uh, so this is a Chardonnay, which is the most prolifically planted white wine grape in California. And uh, it what makes California Chardonnay different from other Chardonnays around the world is that we treat it a little bit differently. So there's two main things that make an American Chardonnay unique. Uh, number one is that it will see time in a new oak barrel. If you drink a French one, if you drink an Italian one, generally they won't see any time in new oak or very limited time in new mm. oak. Uh, if they do see time in oak, they're going to be neutral oak barrels. So those are barrels that have been used over and over again. And so the char doesn't impart its flavor into the wine as readily as a brand new charred barrel would. The second thing is, is it undergoes this process called malolactic fermentation. And what it is, is that the existing natural acidity in grapes is called malic acid. And that's that sort of crisp, zippy, zingy mouthfeel that you get uh, out of like a Sauvignon Blanc or a, a Chardonnay or even a Riesling. And what they do, they convert it to lactic acid or lactose, uh, the same acid type found in milk. And so that's why... American Chardonnays are often described as being buttery. It's because of those two processes, the brand new oak barrel aging and the uh, the malolactic fermentation. So this I like because they're a little more light-handed with it because you can overdo it to the point where you're no longer tasting the grape and you're just take, tasting the process. Uh, this is more kissed with the oak, kissed with the mallow, enough to give it character but not enough to take over the wine itself. And, uh, you know, that's what we're about is uh, creating balance. We're trying to create balance in the weather. We're trying to, you know, we don't want too hot. Not, <laughs> we don't want it too windy. We don't want it too cold. We're nice and balanced right in the middle. And that's what we're trying to will into existence by our PMA. <laughs> Kevin, one of the things I notice is I always, when you give us these wines, I like to smell them at first. This one smells a little bit different than the normal ones that you send. Is that just the Chardonnay? What, what is that? It does have kind of those tropical notes right. on the nose. Right. And, um, I will say my first sip following the, the pale ale wasn't the greatest. It <laughs> didn't set it up exactly perfectly, but, you know, sometimes that happens following a beer, especially a hoppy beer. Um, but, yeah, Chardonnay can have some tropical notes. It can have sometimes some melon characteristics. Other right. times it can have, like, some, um, oh, like pineapple, mm. uh, some mango, some, you know, stuff like that. But then you get a little bit of that butter note. And the butter is more... Uh, the mouthfeel than the taste mm -hmm. and that's what that malolactic fermentation does because it softens the, the the mouthfeel so it makes it round um but uh yeah it's just a, a it's the most the chardonnay is the most popular white wine in america and um and these are on special right now at, at the old cork and bottles and i think they're on sale for 16 bucks Ooh. so it's i find it interesting just as opposed to other types or chardonnay is not uh it has to be born from a region or come out of a region it's not among that group uh, no, actually, so Chardonnay is a grape type. So okay. like Merlot is a grape type, uh, Cabernet is a grape type, Pinot Noir is a grape type. Um, and so they grow Chardonnay all over the world. Now, if you drink a French Chardonnay, uh, the, they categorize them by where they're from. So a white Burgundy is Chardonnay. Okay. Um, 
a red burgundy is Pinot Noir. You know, it's kind of like champagne. They make sparkling wine, but if it doesn't come from the champagne region, it's not champagne. It's yeah. sparkling wine. Well, a, a white burgundy is Chardonnay, but if it doesn't come from the burgundy region, then it's just Chardonnay. You oh, know? okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So um, different parts of the world categorize their wines differently. We categorize it by varietal first, which is what grape it's made from, and then region second. Uh, the French do region first and varietal second. Uh, Italy, all over the map, depending on whether you, whether it's made from northern Italy or southern Italy, they've got all kinds of different rules. So sometimes it's the place, sometimes it's the grape, sometimes it's neither. Sometimes it's just a proprietary name, sometimes it's both. Uh, so, you know, the Italians are kind of tough to figure out. You just have to take them one by one. There's hmm. no, really no hard and fast rules. So do they do everything themselves on their winery, the pressing of it, the... So, all, all of it, or do they kind of outsource that type of stuff? Well, uh, that's a great question. So what Strick just asked is basically, is this estate grown and bottled? Meaning that it has their fingerprint on it from start to finish. So do they grow the grapes? Do they harvest the fruit? Do they crush the fruit? Do they make the wine? Do they put it in the barrels? Do they store it and then bottle it and then sell it? That's what's known as estate bottling uh, or estate grown. Um, so, so for many wineries, a lot of vineyards don't own their own winemaking stuff and a lot of wineries don't own their own vineyards so there's a trade that happens so the winery will buy the grapes from the grape growers and make the wine from that sometimes they have both sometimes they'll grow both some of their own grapes but also buy some grapes and blend them together so this is um uh even though it's from the charles krug winery they do not necessarily own the vineyards in which these grapes are grown. This is not their estate stuff. If you want their estate stuff, you've got to buy the Charles Krug label. Uh, this Flat Top Hills is a, is a, a new brand that they created from sourced fruit, uh, but it's still the same winemakers that are making their estate stuff. Um, and uh, so that, it's an interesting question because there's a, there's a dynamic there that um, sometimes the people making the wine don't own the grapes and vice versa. And, and then there's a combination there that happens on, and each, each place is unique. I have one last question before we go to break. So yeah. listen, I've watched Ratatouille. <laughs> <laughs> Great movie. <laughs> Love Ratatouille. Um, it's different because we're talking about food, but uh -huh. I would assume that in wine, there's those individuals like the gentleman who was tasting the food and basically was critiquing whether or not you are a bum or you're, or you're <laughs> the guy. <laughs> right. Right. Uh -huh. And I want to know what like a salary is for those type of guys at the top end of it, because I might want to be one of those type of guys that taste the wine and <laughs> like, swirl it around sure. and do it. Yeah. And you check, you check how it's sticking to the glass and do all of that. Oh, I want to yeah. know. Like, like, because it's a process, just what you said. You yeah. said there's a whole step to everything, but then it's got to go to that step, too. So you want to be a critic. Yeah. Okay. Well, so here's How do I get involved? Well, <laughs> it, it takes years and years of training. For, but you have some of that under your belt already because you drink wine on a regular basis. So yeah. you have the hard part taken care of. Then it's just a question like, I'm a level one sommelier. I could probably be a level two. I just never took the test. Mm. Um, and, and a big part of that is that you do this deductive tasting method, right? So you taste the wines blind. And, and, and so you assess the wines by not knowing what it is so that you're not being, um, you, we have a saying that a lot of people tend to taste with their eyes, mm. right? Mm -hmm. So when you taste the wines blind, it removes that component. And so it, it helps uh, eliminate any preconceived notions that you might have. And so you're giving the wine a fair chase, chance based on its own merits. And then 
what they've started, or not started, they've been doing it for decades, is giving the wine a score. Usually it's based on a 100-point scale. Now, the trouble with that is, number one, you're relying on one person's opinion. Number two, there's so many people out there doing it anymore, It those ratings to me no longer hold value. Hmm. Um, because, okay, so is this from... James Suckling, who's regarded as one of the best wine critics in the world, or is this Joe Bob Thornton from Seward County Fair? You know, uh, shout, out, shout out Joe Bob. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> and so, but you see all these wineries put, you know, I, literally every wine in my store, I could probably find a ninety point rating on it if I wanted to, and they don't necessarily always tell you where the wine, where the rating came from. And it could have been that wine got a rating, got that rating five vintages ago. It's not the current one, but they still put it on the label and they're not violating any laws because at one point the wine did get a 90 point rating. So it's kind of a tough egg to crack. And I think it's kind of one of those things that no longer holds the same credibility that it does. A lot of stores Mm -hmm. will use ratings in order to sell wine because they don't know anything about it. So they're like, okay, it got 90 points. So we'll put that out there and, and people will buy it because of because of that. In in my store, we don't put a single rating out on any mm. bottle. Um, it, we want to be able to have you come in the door, assess your situation, whether you want it as a gift, whether you're wanting it as a meal, is it a special occasion, is it just a regular Thursday night pizza, uh, how much do you want to spend, where your tastes lie, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then we're going to take that information and be able to narrow that down to three or four different wines for you and 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 let you choose and and but we're going to recommend the best four options given your criteria not based on whatever the wine critics criteria are so um to me it it fundamentally doesn't hold water anymore just to put to slap a a 90 point rating on there and hope it sells because that's my job is to lead people down that path and 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 help educate them about what they're having and, and and that increases the enjoyment in my opinion and again, that's that's a personalized experience you'll get from Myers Corking mm-hmm. Bottle. Just uh, absolutely incredible stuff. And we thank you for coming on. One, one, one more question, real quick, because you said you could maybe be a level two uh, sommelier. What what levels the top? What is that? Uh, what is uh, that Ma- you- Master Sam is the top, and yeah. there's uh, there's fewer than two hundred of them in the world. Oh wow! Um, <laughs> and uh, the pass rate on that Master Sam test first time is less than one percent. Oh my, oh, my goodness. goodness! So it. It basically is a um, wow. a long road into um, uh, divorce, bankruptcy, and alcoholism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, Thank you. But in order to be a master of time, you got to go to these places and literally like taste the rocks that the grapes are grown in and all this stuff in oh, order yeah. to, to be able to accomplish that. My uh, goodness. Yeah, it's crazy. That is cool. That is, but if, if nothing else, very informative, and that's what we always love to hear from Kevin Meyer of Meyer's Cork and Bottle. Real quick, uh, plug the uh, plug anything you got going down at the store. So Flat Top Hills is our newest winery feature of the month from the Charles Krug Winery, and uh, come on down and see us, and we'll take good care of you. Yeah. Good to see you, Strick. Yay, my <laughs> man. It's all, Listen, this is fun to get the come in studio with you so i enjoy this process because i don't normally get the taste of brew well now it's going to be a regular thing a regular thing it is uh shootout with strict time give us a call 402-464-5685 and the first one to do so will jump in line 2004 trivia and i'm a bit tipsy so it should be fun let's do that (laughs) next year on the block